you'll say, I never, I never really noticed that. You know, there's some things about us that we just don't know, that we, it's hidden from ourselves, that other people know, right? And then there's the unknown self. So when we're talking about that iceberg, these are things that, at, that are at the bottom on the ocean floor. These things are so deep and hidden, we don't even know what they are. And no one else does either. And I, can, I think I can be safe to say that we all have that. I think non-professionally as a Christian, not as a, as a therapist, as a Christian, I think God sometimes spares us from those things and brings them up when he needs to, but keep them suppressed so we, because we just can't handle them. But there are some things that we just don't know about ourselves, okay? So we're going to take a, a few seconds to think about those things. Your open self, these are things that you know about yourself. Now, we're talking about under-the-surface things. You know about yourself and that others know, too. Maybe you shared. The hidden self, things that you know but you dare would not dare share with anyone. The blind self, people can look at you and see things about you, but you you don't you never saw it about yourself okay um this a lot of time with anger that could be a blind spot because we may be so used to um being riled up and think that it's natural and someone else can show us that mm, that's not really a natural thing to be upset because you know you didn't get the apple no one else got upset about it, you know, but you think that it's natural and that person can point out to you. But before that, you thought it's okay to be upset about everything, okay? And then the unknown self. So I'm going to give you like a, just a few seconds just to think about if anything just popped out in your mind about something that maybe someone said to you or an incident or something you remember about one of those things. Oh, um, we're talking about the different, um, uh, how we become aware of ourselves. And we said we have a, a blind self, which things that we know about ourselves and that others know too. There's a hidden self, things that only we know about ourselves that we don't share. The blind self where others know about us, but we don't know. And the unknown, which neither one. So we, I just said to think about a time, if you remember something popped in your head about one of those one of those things Okay, so we're not going to do um, confessions or anything, but I'm just going to say, you can just nod your head or blink your eye, whatever. So can anyone, did anything 
come to your mind when we talked about the open self? Like things that you may have, you know about yourself and you share with other people? Anybody? Okay. What about the hidden self that we don't share? Yeah. Uh, um, I'm shaking my head for that too, like the hidden self. How about the blind self? Okay. Yeah. I remember um, years ago, a woman um, came up to me. I didn't like what she said. Um, but I had to give it some thought. But she said that I was not friendly. I didn't. I didn't. Um, I didn't present myself as friendly um, because I didn't smile a lot, and I was. I. I seemed to be intimidating to people, and so I took great offense to that. You know, um, and I tried to defend myself and everything, but then I thought about it and this sort of different reasons why I may not have been smiling a lot or appeared not to be friendly, you know. So I had to do some self-reflection. You know, if someone sees something in you, it may not necessarily be 100% true, but it may be some fact in it. And even though it sounds hard to the ears to receive, we want to just be open. Now, you know, some people don't mean us well. We know that, right? But we're wise enough to discern if someone does mean us well and some just just want to say something just to, you know, anyway. So this woman, I am, you know, in contact with her now. and We have become friends and sisters in the Lord. So, but she did, she, she did tell me that. And that was kind of hard to hear. Did anyone with the blind self, does anyone remember anything that way? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. And then we said the unknown self. So we really don't know those things yet. And we may never know those things. You know, I think those, you know, those, like I said, I think are things that um, are hidden sometimes for our protection. You know, it helps us when we can identify these things going back to changing. Remember, we're talking about put offs and put ons. Once you start to identify what's underneath that surface, then we can know exactly what to attack with the put off and the put on. All right, you don't have this slide either. I'm sorry, I changed the slide. So I didn't, I didn't know how to put the new slides up there. So we're just going to keep going. Um, so now that we know some things that are hidden from that self-awareness exercise... We want to discover the triggers that cause us. So like the gentleman just said, he was thinking about what happened when he was younger, being picked on. That was a trigger. 
those thoughts cause that reaction of being stoic, you know, not smiling, not doing that, because that he was thinking about what was happening before. So sometimes we need help finding those triggers. So in, in counseling, we use a tool, both in biblical counseling, a discovery, discover problem pattern form, and I use this too in clinical counseling. Um, what it does is that you, you track the times that you have these feelings, thoughts, and emotions, and you start to see patterns, okay? So you write down when you have this feeling, thought, or this emotion, like, okay, what was I doing? You know, what, what was I doing when I was thinking this way? So using his example about on the job, maybe he doesn't appear stoic when he's not in a professional setting. Okay, when he's at home with family and friends, smiling and laughing, having fun, but then he goes to work, he has a whole different persona. So you would track that down. What am I doing? I'm working. With whom am I doing it? Okay, who are you around when you start to have these feelings, thoughts, and emotions? Where, where am I going? That has a lot to do with it, with your thoughts and your feelings and emotions. What day or time is it? Okay, now we're looking, we're trying to find patterns. What am I thinking about? Sometimes I don't think that he was sitting at his desk at work thinking about being picked on while he's working. I don't know what kind of job you did, but I don't think he was sitting there at work like, oh, these guys are going to pick on. But subconsciously in his thoughts, he had to appear to be a man of strength, you know, someone who could ward off um, people being abusive to him. This could be subconsciously what you are thinking. And what am I anticipating? Like, what, what do I think is going to come next? If I don't remain stoic, if I don't let them know how strong I am, then maybe they will take advantage of me, or maybe I won't get picked to do the next project at work. Right? Or maybe I won't get that promotion because they don't think that I can do the job. Okay, So this is how we can discover what our triggers are. Remember where I said the trigger is the thing that helps you to relive that traumatic event. So remember I gave you the funny example about me and the Jackson 5 and hearing the song in the shop right was a trigger to help me remember to relive the fun times I had when I was a little girl, listen to the music. Okay. So now that we, we did our self-awareness exercise, we found out these patterns, now we are ready to put things off and put things on. But we need a practical way to do that, right? Because just put that off and put that on. Well, we need to know practically. Well, the first thing I always say is we need to think less. The Bible tells us we need to change our way of thinking. That's in biblical counseling, clinical counseling, the secular work. You have, to ch- you have to begin the process, which is not overnight. It's not just reading the scripture and doing it. You have to actively begin to change your way of thinking. You have to begin to, di- to distinguish between emotion and reality. Right? The Bible says, you know, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Fear 
will not have you to think rationally or with a sound mind, right? So if you're afraid, you're thinking out of emotion. You're going to act out of emotion, right? But when you think with a sound mind, right, now emotion is, is on the back. Emotions are still there, but you, you, you're controlling them now. Now you're thinking more rationally. You can make a rational decision now. Right? Not an impulsive decision. Okay. So I have a personal um, thing that I do. I always give myself a 24-hour rule for any decision. Um, even if I need to speak to someone about something that's um, maybe if I have to have an encounter that can be a little confrontational, I give myself 24 hours to bring the emotion down so I can think and speak with a sound mind, right? Even writing an email, because, you know, when you write an email, it's out there. And emails can, can kind of make emotions, get emotions confused, because you'll read an email, someone says, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. So even if someone sends me an email, and I'm getting ready to, and I said, I'm going to give it 24 hours, you know, and then I can bring it down. And then I can, I can compose it. I can still, you can still say what you want to say. You don't, if you need to say something that's confrontational, that's biblical. You can do that, but you want to do it in a way out of love. Like, speak the truth in love, right? Say the truth, but speak the truth in love, okay? We have to acknowledge the next one, and confess sin. Now, Pastor Benson asked me, how do, how do I bridge the gap between biblical counseling and secular counseling? Sin is, is, is in the secular world, right? Christians don't just sin, right? Everyone sins. So I may not say to my client who's not a Christian, let's talk about the sin in your life. But I am going to say to them, let's talk about unresolved relational um, issues. Let, let's talk about are there any things that we need to make some restitution about. You know, let's, let's talk about, you know, family issues. Let's talk about um, maybe some things. You know, I'm, I'm curious to know if there's some things that you need to let go of. Some things you need to confess, right? And this is, this is sin, and we know that unless you release that burden, that it's going to be almost impossible to put that other thing, to put the other thing on. You know, we need to let that one go. The next thing is um, daily living, right? So when we talked about that discovery problem pattern, like what are you thinking about is going to happen next, that will keep us in bondage thinking about what's going to happen next. The same traumatic event I had it this time, last, you know, 10 years ago, and every day you're thinking you're going to have it again. Okay? So learning to live in the present, that's a counseling, that's a professional counseling word. You hear counselors say that all the time, and therapists, living in the present, in the moment. And that's biblical, because God tells us. Right? We need to live for today. We trust him for tomorrow. We do plan, 
We do, you know, go to therapy if we need to, see our past if we need to, but we're living in the moment. And then we need to surrender control, right? We want to be, whether we're Christians or non-Christians, whoever in, in sitting before me who comes to me for help, you have to surrender control. We don't have control of our lives as much as we want to have control. I'm a planner. You know, I love to plan things out. But over the years, you know, I learned sometimes the hard way, a lot of times the hard way, that your plans don't always work out. And then what are you going to do? You know? And some people do have fall back into um, start to relive their traumatic events because they can't control things, right? Like what I mentioned last week about my accident, I can't control the weather, right? I can't, con- I, I can't I, you know, I can't control the sunset when it's going to get dark. That's out of my control. So if I'm in driving and I get stuck in traffic and it starts to get dark and I plan to be home before the sunset, that was out of my control. So we have to release control of our lives. Okay, you don't have, again, you don't have my new slide, so... Um, trouble, trauma, tragedy in our lives does not mean we do not love God. And I think I do have this one. Okay. This is really important. It doesn't mean we do not love God. It doesn't mean we do not trust God because we have trouble and tragedy and trauma. It does not mean we're not a good Christian. Doesn't mean we didn't read the Bible enough. We don't have enough scriptures, right? It doesn't mean that. That is a lie from Satan. And this will cause us not to reach out because we feel we have disappointed God and others. We disappoint ourselves. We disappoint our pastor. We disappoint our family. Disappoint my children, my husband, my, you know, we won't. And so what do we do then? We self-isolate. And that's where we stay in that trauma, right? We self-isolate, and the enemy has you there because you're not reaching out for help. You're staying by yourself. The cure for self-isolation is accountability. We all need someone who will rejoice with us, who will mourn with us, who will correct us, and who will encourage us. We all need someone. God placed us in communities, okay? He placed us in our family community first, good, bad, or the ugly. Good, bad, or ugly, you know? My my father-in-law would always say that when we have our little family. We have Brunson Family Day once a year. And he said, I want everybody there, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Everybody there, right? Whatever your family life was, he placed you in that community, to learn how to relate to other people and be accountable. All of us didn't have the same family community. All of us didn't have um, Hallmarky type of families. I love the Hallmark Channel. 
I love, especially now because they're doing Christmas in July. But all of us don't, didn't have that, right? But we still can learn from what we didn't have. We can learn that this is, this is how I want to love my family. This is how I want to support my family. This is how I want to encourage my family. Even though I didn't have it, this is what I want, right? So we are placing these communities to help us walk alongside, to walk alongside us doing the highs and the lows of life. Right. We will have the highs and the lows. We, we're all going to have years of famine. We're going to have years of plenty, but we're going to have years of famine as well. Jesus said that we should love the Lord God with our heart, soul, and mind, right? When they challenged him, like, what's the greatest commandment? Which one? And he just said, okay, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And your neighbor as yourself. This sums up the Ten Commandments. Because the first four commandments are about loving God. The last six commandments is loving and relating to others. Right? He did not put us here alone. and We don't have to walk alone. Right? We do need accountability. So going back, I'm going to go back to the iceberg. Okay. There he is. Okay. So you are getting ready to do something very exciting, right? You're getting ready to move into a new building, and that's exciting, right? Whether you, when you go to a new home or you got anything new, right? You're anticipating, you're getting ready, you know, and you're going to be marching into that new building and singing praises to God and but you know what? There's going to be other people marching in that building with you that you don't know. Who Other people that's going to be, just like you bringing all your stuff, all the chairs and all that stuff in the building, all your equipment, they're going to be bringing all their baggage in your building. And what are we going to do? What are you going to do as, as lay people, as helpers, for these new people that's coming into this beautiful building? Your pastor expressed his concern that you be prepared to receive what's coming when you come to this new building, right? And we want to, we want to learn how to love people well. And we talked about a little bit about Jesus, how he was the master counselor. I think they should do a class, a whole semester on the woman at the well, on how he really counseled her. Okay, we want to go after those new people that's coming. You want to go after them that's coming in your building. Not be, not you know, not shy away from them. When I when I joined my former church, I was a new Christian, and um, I a young lady just came to me. I think in Sunday school or something. She said, "You going to the?" Um, the Singles fellowship, House Fellowship? And I said, oh, no, I don't, I don't think I'm going to go. She said, oh, it's a lot of fun. We do this. We eat. You don't have to bring anything. People bring stuff, but you don't have to bring anything. I'll bring something for you, whatever. So I don't know. She said, I said, I'll come pick you up. And she came and she picked me up. Her name was Kendra. I'll never forget that. Kendra picked me up, took me to the fellowship. 
I can tell you, everybody who's at that fellowship, all of us now grown, kids, kids grown, married off and everything. I know everybody who was at that fellowship. But that had a lasting impact on me. Because one, she came to me. People who are new in the church, depending on their temperament, they're not always going to run and join a ministry. You might say, why don't they join any ministries? They're not in any ministries. Well, you got to ask them. Some people are not just going to run and join the ministry. Right? So we have to, she came to me, and then she offered herself to me. Right? She spent time. She went out. She didn't ask me where I lived. She said, I'll pick you up. I could have lived in, uh, I don't know, somewhere like two hours, three hours away. She just said, I'll come pick you up. Right? So Jesus went out of his way, right, when he met her because he knew he was going after her. She knew the Lord laid it on Kendra's heart to go after me. And she went out of her way and picked me up. She didn't give me the address. Right? She didn't tell me, oh, here's the address, and this time, you... no. She said, I'll pick you up. Okay. So that's the way we, you want to be. You want to be open, and we want to be ready to receive, and not judgmental, because you have people who are not necessarily churched, you know, been around church and don't know what to do, what to wear, what to say, don't know the songs. You know, I didn't know any of the Christian songs. I knew the Earth, Wind, and Fire songs and all them other songs. I didn't know the Christian songs. I knew the Jackson 5 songs, didn't I? I knew all them. But I didn't know, like, the Christian artists and everything. I didn't know that. And so we want to be, we want to be ready to receive them. But, but also we want to be curious to really get to know them. Because people are not going to open up to you and expose themselves unless they feel comfortable enough, unless you are curious. And Jesus was curious about this. He, he expressed that he knew all about her. But she saw him. Wow, he, first of all, why is he asking me? He's not supposed to even be talking to me, you know. But he, he expressed that he was curious about her. So we have to express that as well, right? So I, um, the goal of these two sessions is to give you just a broad overview of what trauma looks like, how you may experience it. And like your pastor said last week, self-counseling is the first way to counsel someone else. When we know how we can tap into our feelings, thoughts, and emotions, we know what impacts us, then we are better able to serve someone else. Okay? We cannot change our past, right? And there are many things that we wish, many things I wish I could have changed about my past. But that's, that's past, it's done, it's over. That time, I'm never going to get that again, right? But we can move forward and we can heal from our past. Your past is going to be there, but you can move forward in here. A traumatic event will be there, like that car accident. I can't take that away, right? But I can move forward in healing. I can rejoice now that if I'm driving past a truck, I don't panic and hold the steering wheel so tight that you got to, you know, 
someone has to help, I need help taking my hands off the steering wheel, you know, so I can rejoice that I've moved, you can move forward day by day. Sometimes it is short-term healing, right? You can, it doesn't take a long time. But sometimes it takes a lifetime. And sometimes with churches, when we're serving others, we might get a little bit impatient because we think, well, why don't they just, well, they know they need, well, they know what the Bible says. Well, are they got to, but remember I said that it's trauma is personal, individual, and it takes people, uh, people walk differently, right? Some people, it doesn't mean that they don't, like I said, don't trust God or don't, re- they're just walking differently. And if we're on a, if we're a helper, we have to be willing to go along with them on the journey, no matter how long it will take, right? I had a dear friend. She was a coworker. Um, she was she was she was like a mom to me. She had a rare form. She was diagnosed when I met her, a rare form of stomach cancer. They gave her three to six months to live. The Lord granted her many, many, many years. She saw her children get married. She became a grandmother. And she remarried. She never received an official cancer-free diagnosis. Never. But, and she remained in treatment for the rest of her life. But each time someone asked her how she was doing, she would say, I'm here living with cancer. Sometimes we are here living with these traumatic experiences in our life. Like this woman, like her, we cannot ignore the truth. She couldn't ignore the truth that she had cancer. She couldn't just say, oh, well, it's past six months. Well, I can just know. She had to continue with treatment. She had to continue to do the things that the doctor prescribed for her to do. And for her, it was a lifetime. It was it until the rest of her life. Like her, we can experience an abundant life, although we have had traumatic experience, and all of us have had some sort of trauma, right? We still can live today and have an abundant life. And we also, like her, can experience the peace of God, that passes all understanding. That was a true example of a peace of God that passes all understanding. Any questions? And I'm going to put up this is um, just a list of um, some of the main things that I took things from. So the first one is a counseling magazine. It's the American Counselors Association. I'm a member, so I get it monthly, but I don't know. Anybody can get it. I don't know if you want to get it, Pastor 
just to have it for your church. But I get the monthly. I took, did something. They do a lot on trauma and grief on those, in those magazines. Also, the book, um, God and Soul Care. Um, this gentleman is a Christian, but he's also a, a practicing psychiatrist. And also, um, personally healthy spirituality and the gift of therapy. This person, Yalom, which I can never say his name right, but he does, he's good for a lot of um, practical interventions, you know, things that we can practically do to help to bring about change. Okay. Anyone have any questions? We do have some time. Um, yes, and so I do agree. That's one of um, things that's really annoying to me because, you know, as Christians, um, like, the Bible is really clear that we're going to have trouble, right? But sometimes, like your pastor said, it's hard to express that in an environment when it looks like it's perfect, that everyone, it all ends up you know, great, no matter what, you know, it's great. And life is not that way. Um, I don't know how churches can do that, but my personal experience is that that comes from the top down. Like, if, if I think that um, leaders should be transparent. Now, we want to be wise, right? You don't want to just, you don't have to say, things that you just don't need to say. Because then that, that now you open up an, another issue. Now you just want the spotlight on you. So now you're saying, oh, no, you don't want to do that. But sometimes we do need to be transparent with others. We do need to be comfortable in saying, you know, this is hurting us or this, this is, I'm bothered by this or I need some help with this. I think when the leaders are doing it, it's a little, it, it's, it feels safe when someone else does it. Yeah. Also, as um, black people, African-American people, we shy away a lot from that sort of thing because we've always been, you know, you just do it. You just keep it moving. Okay, that's, a, that's all right. Just keep going. And we have good reasons why we did that, right? But we don't have to necessarily do that all the time, right? We can be free. 
in that area and just, you know, and say what we, how we are really feeling. I don't know if you have, like, small groups here where that's encouraged or um, that, that, that's a good thing to do because people are less intimidated when they're around small groups, you know. Also, when we're talking to people, um, we, we're Christians and we love the word, but we don't want to just speak Christianese all the time. I made that up. Just like, you know, we don't have to do that. You know, we, we, you know, you, we can just talk, talk to each other without the person feeling, oh, yeah, well, I shouldn't feel this way because the Bible, God says this and that. You know, we love God, but we're hurting. So I think to answer your question, if the leaders are, are if, if the congregation sees the leaders are comfortable doing it, and if you have something like some kind of small groups or not even small groups, maybe different sessions where more interactive, where people can say a session on this type of trauma, a session on this, or a set, grief groups do that really well. You have groups of grief where people can express how they're feeling, you know, or um, I run a, a first-time mom support group where first-time moms have a whole lot of things that they're dealing with that they don't want to share because they want to be the perfect mom. And they don't want people to think they don't know what they're doing. Everybody's telling them what to do, and they always think they're doing something wrong, and they don't think that, you know, they don't think they're, you know, can, are adequate enough to to, you know, be a mom, and then they have relationship issues, and it, it's just a lot. So in this group, it's similar, and they can share, and they find comfort in one another, and they can talk about these issues and not feel intimidated because everyone is going through the same thing. So sometimes those type of groups, when people are going through similar issues, they can. But like Pastor Benson said, when we are giving... um testimonies we want to you share but then you want to um, also say something about it to encourage someone else right so it's not that God did this 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 and whoo you know and sit down everybody clap but God did this 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 and you know if you are doing going through blah 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 I was too and God did blah 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 not just you know the normal way we testify. So it's just a way of changing how we how we think. I don't know that I answered. Okay. Any other questions? Any other questions? Mhm. Mhm. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's one of my weak areas. That's when we know we have a weak area is something we work on all the time. Cuz this is where the enemy gets you, right? Like the Bible says, take heed lest you fall. You think you got it and then next thing you know you're right back in it. 
So for me, daily living is something that I work on. So in the mornings, you know, I always write down in my journal, you know, I don't know what you have planned for me today, Lord. You know, I'm, I'm just going to look forward to whatever. Now, it can be something that's traumatic, but then I have to trust that this was part of his divine plan for today. And just like I mentioned it about that movie last week, the sun will rise tomorrow. And we don't know what the tide is going to bring in, right? That I love, I, that's for me, but some people don't like to journal. I, I find it good because I can do a lot of self-reflection. I go back and I read it, you know, and just writing down, like, how I'm feeling. or And while I'm writing it down, like David, it just seems to calm me down. You know, and then I find it in my journal, like the first part is something. The second part is I see how I was able to start to think more rationally. Right. So I like to do that. Also, having a, a, a peaceful place to go, like Battery Park. I go there once a week. I don't know if you know what Battery Park is. I go there once a week early in the morning. And I just sit there. Sometimes I'm sitting there for two hours looking at the ward on the bench not asking the Lord for anything, not just this listening, listening to God. I write down some things. I'm not, I don't have an agenda. I'm just listening. And I'll just sit there for a while and then, you know, just get up. So that's my, my weekly regimen. I said, I'm going to, I love water. Water seems to be peaceful to me. So some people do that for walks. They take walks and, you know. The Lord will bring up things to me, things that we talked about in that, um, or you couldn't see it, that when we talk about the open self and things that are hidden, he get, when I'm sitting there, he'll bring those things up that are hidden. You know, and, and let me know that it's okay. Or he'll bring up things that I knew about that happened and show me how he walked me through that and how I didn't think that it was going to be okay, but it was. All right. So I want to thank your pastor for trusting me um, with his congregation. I don't take that lightly. And thank you for being here, for listening. And, oh, I'm so. Oh, okay. I'll go back to my, the screen with my name and stuff on it. Is that the one? Okay. Yes. So thank you. And I'm very excited for you moving into your new building. That's very exciting. So, okay. Thank you again. Have a good day.